This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform, and I am once again here with my trusty cohort, Becky Avara. Becky is the lead coach for Eat to Perform, and she is the person that most people go for, for all the, the answers, most of the coaches and things of this nature. And then very occasionally they'll ask for my advice, but at this point, Becky rarely has to do that. So Becky, you want to say hi to everyone? Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad you're here with us. So this is our life, uh, our lifetime clients, um, and we call this Lifetime Power Hour, which I don't know why, but for some reason, this name feels correct. You know, like I've always, like the OG one that we do on Thursdays, which by the way, if anybody tried to get in on that, um, that was a total train wreck. Uh, my wife and I, um, well, let me start. Let me start here, just in case you're listening to the podcast. But I was just told this this week that uh, the amount of podcast or the amount of listeners in a podcast that is a good amount, and we've always had that amount. And I had no idea that that was a good amount. I just thought, you know, we would do this mostly for eight to performers and sort of communicate with them. But apparently, there's a lot more people listening to the the podcast than I thought which is cool. I'm glad you're here. Um, if you are looking for coaching and need a little help along the way, just go to www.eatperform.com. All right. So the topic of today, well, um, let, let, me, let me start with what I was initially going to talk about because my wife and I, so a long time ago, this is probably, this is actually when I read the book for our work week, and my wife and I got really intrigued with the idea of going somewhere else and living in that place for, you know, up to three months, right? And uh, we kind of compromised on a, on a month. And because of COVID, it's allowed, and, and my wife working remotely, it's allowed my wife to be a bit more flexible with her schedule. And so we did the first one in January, I believe it was, um, where we went to Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina might be great, but our experience was awful. Um, it rained virtually every single day, which was, which was awful. Um, and then, you know, we were right in the midst of COVID and we had a very aging dog um, who has now passed on. So there was not a lot of um, great experiences that we had from Charleston. Certainly there were some fun things. My wife and I, um, we ran most days. So we were probably going to try and keep that in the mix. But we drove basically from Minnesota to Ojai, California, Ojai is just northeast of Los Angeles, and it's like this little valley. And it, as we were driving into the valley, um, if you're not from here or haven't been here this time of year, it's very, very dusty and very, very deserty, of course, right? It's, it's in the middle of a de desert. So you come down this mountain, and you 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 kind of come through a, a, a almost like a a big cloud of dust, 
And as you come out of the cloud of dust, you can look down to the Ojai Valley and it's just nothing but green and awesome. And so we're really super excited to be here. We're gonna be here for a month. Uh, but one of the reasons why we chose here, um, we were looking at the Pacific Northwest, which is a favorite place of ours because it's a place that we kind of um, equate with serenity. And so serenity was really the goal this time. The last time in Charleston, Charleston is actually a lot busier than you might think. So as an example, it was, it was very difficult for us to ride our bikes around Charleston. Um, it can be done, but it was difficult. There was just, there was just a pace that was, was a little faster than, than we were looking for. So that's what sort of led us to, to Ojai. My wife listens to um, a podcast that I've listened to a few times, and I do kind of like, though I really, some of their subtle messages um, related to food I don't love. But it's called Happier in Hollywood, and it's about these two showrunners um, that basically make make movie or uh, TV programs, and they're the showrunners for the new show Fantasy Island, but they were also writers on The Wire, which is hilarious because if you've ever listened to this podcast, it's these two women originally from like Omaha, Nebraska, and the thought that they would you know, be writers on The Wire, which is, you know, probably one of the 20 best series, you know, on television in the last, you know, or 10, 10 to 15 in the last 20 years. So it's kind of interesting to, to know that they were the writers on that show because it's very uh, uh, macho, um, very uh, not Nebraska, I guess is the best way to say it. So we're really excited to be here. We're really excited to kind of bring some serenity and hopefully um, some of these lessons that we're learning, we can bring to all of you. And uh, it's kind of interesting in that regard. One of the lessons that I think a lot of people don't consider is that when you're traveling or when you're in Las Vegas, Las Vegas was one of the stops that we made. One, whether it's a plane flight or a car ride, there's often a certain amount of stress to it. And if you're short on sleep, just because you ate and drank a lot the previous day, it might not mean that that's the best day to work out. Like, you know, I have a whoop. And so it gives me statistics on how I'm doing. And the majority of the days I'm a strong yellow, um, but, the, but the good majority I'm green. And I was red as we pulled into Las Vegas. And I think a lot of people in that moment would feel pressure to be in the gym or whatever. Um, and it's probably best to get sleep. I mean, think about why you're on vacation or why you're enjoying something. The good majority of the time, you want to be a little bit more relaxed and you know, I like working out on, on vacation also, but I'm not trying to earn food. I'm trying to get better at exercise. And so kind of keep that in mind that especially like the first day as your body's getting adjusted, it might be a good day 
to to allow for a good recovery day after that, right? So, so keep that in mind. Okay, so the topic of the day, and I would like all of you to get questions in early and often. This is not a huge question and answer one, but we always kind of save some room at the end. We usually get better questions for this one because either you know all of you have been um, eat the performance for a very long time, your lifetime clients. I should probably explain what lifetime clients are. So once you've been an eat to performer for a while, we do have a lifetime membership that we offer to some to the people that have have tried it, know that they like it, know that it's a good home. It's just basically a core tenant of who we are is that we want to be an answer for people um, for, for their whole life. Right. And so if you look at everyone, whether you're, you know, seeing this on the podcast or, or something of this nature or on YouTube, what you're going to see is all these people that don't pay as memberships anymore. And so that was something that kind of came about, you know, around eight years ago when, you know, we sort of thought that as a, a pitfall of the diet industry and that the diet industry sort of created to kind of, you know, set up almost for people to fail. So, so that's why it's so important to us. And, and we have roughly 6,000 lifetime members. So it's, it's a, it's a good thing. And I think clients really like to have that option and they like to, not everyone, you know, is actively, you know, logging their calories all the time, but I think having the ability to, to come back um, and, and kind of clean things up every now and again is, is really good as they set in place the parameters for long-term life where eating is a big part of who you are. All right. So we have a lot of people going into fat loss. The last Lifetime Power Hour, we talked about talking to your coach Hold on one second. Just needed to get a cough out. The um, the last time life the last lifetime power hour, we talked about uh, scheduling your fat loss when it might make most sense to do that, and why communication with your coach is really important. So we know we have a lot of people. Um, September, ironically, uh, I, I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast, but it's actually our biggest month. Um, I think part of that is because, you know, we go into it knowing that a lot of people are trying to clean things up after the summer. But uh, also, we, we don't really stop trying, you know, so, so sometimes we'll have really good months like July is weirdly a very good month for us and always has been. But September is our best month by far. And so um, we know that a lot of people are going to try and manage their weight once they do that. And so I wanted to, you know, here it is, what, April or August 28th, and a lot of people are starting on the 7th. So hopefully those people listen to this podcast because one of the mistakes that I see as people are heading into fat loss. So I, I don't have a lot of clients anymore, but there are some legacy clients that uh, you know I still work with. And there was someone that I started to work with 
And before she went into fat loss, she kind of did a run up into fat loss, meaning that, you know, she sort of enjoyed things outside of her macros. And, you know, as a coach, I'm like not trying to, to throw out guilt and things of this nature because, you know, she's on vacation and trying to have a good time and all these different things, but, but she kind of let it go a little bit too much. Right. And later in the week, we, you know, I heard from her and one of the things that she said was that she was a little frustrated that her, her weight had stalled. Now, the problem with her weight stalling is that it actually, she's doing fine, right? In terms of fat loss and, and things of this nature, she's down five to six pounds. We're only, you know, four weeks in. So, so you know, we should be fine. But in her head, her weight is the weight where she wanted to be going into fat loss rather than the actual weight that she was when she went into fat loss, right? And so you start to see people eating a lot of energy dense foods. You know, they, they'll, I, I think it's great to come off vacation, but if you go, if you come off vacation and you're drinking every single day and you're not conscious of food and then you come back five to six pounds up, we got to get through those five to six pounds just to get back to normal. And then a lot of people go, well, you know, just, isn't that just water weight? Well, yes, it is, is mostly water weight. There's also mostly water weight if you had been mindful, right? And so if what we consistently see is that if the goal is to lose 10 to 15 pounds and you come into fat loss, you know, um, with that last week where you just kind of let things go, it sometimes takes two to three weeks to get through that part, right? And, and then there are other times where, and I think this is probably the better example, is that a lot of people aren't logging at that point. They're maybe on vacation or, or something of this nature. But what's going to happen on vacation I mean, you're going to have a blowout day and then you're going to have an all salad day and then, you know, another blowout day and then maybe two all salad days. Or maybe you, you know, you'd heard about, you know, a podcast from Eat Reform on fasting. And so you tried that. Right. And so the normal scenario where your metabolism is sort of rolling and get going, you know, isn't happening. And so you know, if you were over consuming all seven days, maybe you'd be fine, but that's not the way most of us do it, right? We stay mindful most of the time. And so I think that that's just something to sort of keep in mind that, you know, as close to the plan as you can possibly be going into fat loss and coming out of fat loss, you really want to flex that flexibility muscle, um, when you're in PR, not around fat loss. And, you know, the main point of this is really just to make people conscious that, you know, going into fat loss, you don't want to just run up, gain, you know, five to seven pounds. I will say, you know, the, the worst kept secret in, in weight gain, weight loss, all this other type of stuff is that it's typically not ice cream. It's typically not, you know, um, enchiladas, right? 
almost always it's alcohol related. And so, you know, if you do something and, and alcohol is part of that mix and you bring that into a fat loss, it's, it's going to take a while for your body to figure out what's going on and why. So kind of keep that in mind. And if, if anybody has any questions about this specifically or, or whatever, feel free to pop those into, into chat. Uh, also, for the people that have come in a little bit late, you know, once again, let's stick with the chat for questions. Does look like we have a, a few questions, but I'm going to let Becky try and fill in the gaps that maybe I didn't consider um, as, as the person that literally oversees thousands of accounts a day. Um, she might have some thoughts. So Becky, take it away. Well, I mean, just kind of what you're saying as far as um, the people that are going wild right before and things like that, then, yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating versus if you think about it and you, you know, consistency is always the biggest thing that we talk to everyone about. And, um, we want to make sure that we are able to keep that enthusiasm in the beginning. And yes, some of it is water weight in the very beginning, but that does help to spur us on with what it is that we're striving for because, you know, there's no point in being in a deficit and not getting anything done, which I say to many clients every single week. Um, so we do want to try to make sure that we keep things consistent going up to it and make sure I mean, some people they under eat going up to it also so it does go the other direction also and we don't want to do that either because that doesn't set us up for success gotcha it's funny because at you know as we're looking at this there's 50 people on the call and one of the 50 people is just banging out a bunch of pull-ups um, which is so easy to perform hey nikki we see you up there um but uh, yeah, the and she's also doing them in her Eat to Perform shirt. So um, it's very, very on brand for us. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into the questions. And uh, if anybody has any specific questions related to the topic, um, I would definitely appreciate any of those also. Becky, take it away. Okay, so the first one is, on one recent podcast, Paul mentioned a change in the program moving away from pushing up to higher levels of carbs, as earlier could be like 400 carbs, even for not high-performance athletes. What is the reason behind the change, as I personally find good? Well, the reason behind the change is because it's unnecessary, right? Um, I think the, the goal is to find what the sweet spot is and that original place where we would push people, let's say to 400 grams of carbs and they were weight stable. Um, just it is kind of a false identifier. Like it's good for weight, um, uh, gaining lean mass. Right. And it's good for, you know, doing more things, but I think also it was kind of putting people where they felt pressure 
to sort of work out. And the one thing that I didn't like about that was it felt, well, I'll just tell my experience because, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot about to people that have lost a lot of weight, right? So like I often identify with those folks and um, the hardest thing to do is to go from the place where you've lost a hundred pounds, right? To where, to what is like the sweet spot, you know? And, and for me, that sweet spot was actually a lot higher in weight as I built muscle. So for those that don't know, I've been able to put, you know, 20 to 25 pounds of muscle since, you know, my weight loss, um, which was 11, 12 years ago at this point. And so that was a very difficult thing for, for me to deal with, right? Um, but I was gaining muscle. I could see that. I could see that my body fat wasn't changing, you know, through my body fat scale, which, you know, we, if you're a long-term eat performer, you probably know that that's a little bit not the greatest data, but it helps me. I also can look in the mirror and go, man, I have a lot more muscle than I used to have. But I'm not sure that that was everybody's goal, you know, and I definitely saw um, that people viewed it differently. So like in my example, you know, I was fine gaining muscle, which meant that my my work capacity was actually much less than it used to be. I think a lot of lot of people when I say people, I mean women. Right. Because, you know, the majority of the the users of Eat to Perform are, are women the I think women feel more pressure to work out more in that instance. And I, I don't I don't think that that's necessarily the message that we want to send that, you know, if you're eating lots of food, you know, that that you need to work out all the time because it kind of it, it, it sort of sets up this earn your food mentality, which I don't really like. And so um, that's basically it. But but at the end of the day, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that, that a lot of you guys don't know. And, you know, when we look at this data, we're trying to see what it's telling us at all times. And eventually I think machines will tell us where the sweet spots are and, and send messages through the, out the app of, of, why this is and, and what it could be doing. And do you want to go in that direction? Right. So these are all the visions that, that we have. Um, and as long as we're growing, we can kind of see those visions come true. The, the problem that Becky has and I have is like, do we want to be that? Right. Um, and I'm not sure we do, you know, I like, you know, we have roughly 10, 11,000 active clients you know, that's more than I could have ever dreamed of, right? <laughs> Nikki's moved on to handstand pushups. Um, and, and so, so, you know, you're in this weird place on, on the one hand, you want to keep bringing to bear like these cool features and all these things that you can add. Um, on the other hand, you sort of want to stay sort of in, in the lane that you are nominated. Right. And and I still feel like we're 
saying these things um, that really no one in the market has died to, to start to say. So it's, it's made for kind of an interesting um, niche, niche for us to, to dominate. Um, so I wanted to answer another question, which was um, Becky sort of answered in chat. Someone asked where are the latest articles and she, Becky answered it on the public page or in the Facebook group. We, there is another place now. Um, for those of you who haven't seen, we changed the website. We've updated the website. And so now it's allowing for us to have these blog posts over there also. So, you know, if you just scroll down to the bottom, there's a blog link and you'll start to see these newer blogs or the things that we're writing. Um, as an example, tomorrow I have one coming out on, on fasting and, um, you know, I, I'm sure that that, uh, gives Becky's, Becky chill, chills, because whenever we talk about something like fasting, you know, all of a sudden everyone wants to fast, even though the point of the article is that, you know, to get the best out of fasting, you shouldn't be fasting the good majority of the time. That's not what people hear. They, what they hear is Paul's open to fasting, you know, and if you've known me for the last 10, 11 years, I'm open to fasting. I just view it as a, as a, a management tool. The problem is, is when you start talking to fasting people, they, they want to view it as magic. It's not magic, right? So as an example, if I drink a protein shake in the morning to preserve my muscle, you know, a lot of fasting people go, well, you broke your fast, right? Which is irrelevant, right? Because it's not the fasting doing the magic, it's the, it's the, um, it's the calories, right? And if, as an example, you are more insulin sensitive in those moments and you drink a protein shake, your body's going to actually use that protein better than if it hadn't. Now, on the, on the whole, um, your body's going to figure it all out, right? So if you're losing weight because of your fasting, it's because you're eating less, right? It's not, it's not autophagy and it's not all, you know, it's not catabolic and all the words that fasters like to use. And so, so definitely look for that blog link at the bottom of the, the page and uh, we definitely needed to grow out of that website. There's still fragments of it that are, are still left and out there, but we're getting closer to having that available. So we're really, really excited about that change and a lot of the changes that are coming in the, in the next year. The, you know, kind of speaking to that, you know, I feel like I know, I know this is a podcast and, and, and more, than, more than just you are going to hear it. But, you know, there was a time where I would openly talk about all the things that were coming for you to perform. And it was, a, it was an exciting time because all of it was new. But now, you know, it's a little bit harder to talk about 
you know, things that are coming because it becomes the expectation. And then there's always kind of like these things that come up and it's like, well, if my fitness pal makes a change and then we have to, to work on fixing that, then all the new exciting stuff that I talked about, you know, has to be pushed back. And just, I'm, I'm just telling everyone, you know, you're going to see something come out real soon here. That's going to be really exciting. But, uh, you know, there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes. You know, I think I've talked about it before, but we've grown at an exponential rate in the last two and a half years. And that growth is allowing for just a lot of cool stuff that is my ultimate vision for each Perform. My ultimate vision of each Perform is really you know, food as an ally and sort of the, the, I mean, the best way to say it is like the Disneyland of, of, of fat loss, right. Where, you know, you're having like a lot of cool stuff happening. And I think the biggest problem with like the diet industry and diet culture is that they're trying to keep food out of the mix. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe it needs to happen that way as all of you, of course, know. All right, Becky, the um any other i'm seeing a few other questions yes um going into a fat loss cycle in a couple of weeks one any advice on prep for that and two during fat loss what's your recommendation on lifting versus lift and frequency of each so we did talk a little bit about this in the podcast that 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 got messed up the other day but um I think the the big thing as you're going into fat loss, this is this is what always happens to me, even if I do plan the day before, which I do. The um, the little tricks happen, right? So, like you know, a lot of times I'll forget that popcorn, even though it's not my favorite snack, it it's the one that can kind of keep me you know, um, full more than some other foods at similar calories. So a lot of those little changes, you know, because there's foods that you would like to eat and then you can fit them in and then you start to realize, oh, I saved all these calories so I could have my yogurt with granola and honey. But then once you eat that, it's not, it doesn't fill you up. And so you wake up at four o'clock in the morning because you know, you're getting like hunger pangs or whatever, right? So I think allowing yourself to like change and add things to the mix should happen all throughout fat loss. Um, in terms of lifting, yes, you 100% wanna keep lifting. The, the issue with lifting though, is it is going to hurt your weight loss, but it's not going to hurt your fat loss. And that's the goal. And so a lot of times people start to get a little frustrating. So best way to describe it is, is what I call like the CrossFit 10. So what happens with CrossFit is someone joins a CrossFit gym and they're like, you know, I've been trying to lose weight and, you know, I'm eating less. And so they go to CrossFit, one, they 
find they're a lot hungrier because they're doing a lot more work. And so maybe they have to, you know, eat a little bit more food and, and maybe they're not keeping track of their macros the way that they normally might. And they hold on to muscle and even sometimes gain muscle. I've seen people, this is why I call it the CrossFit 10 is because I've seen people gain up to 10 pounds of muscle in the first, you know, six months of, of CrossFit. And then they'll get really frustrated that they're not losing weight. Um, some people even get frustrated at how their body's starting to look because they look more muscular and they were trying to look more lean. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really have skin in that game. Um, but what I find is that as people put in hard work, when that hard work starts showing up in the mirror, usually there's a certain amount of pride in that, no matter what you wanted. Um, unless of course, you know, you might not have a healthy relationship with the mirror, you know? And so that, that can be something that, that can be fixed. Also, if you're under eating and doing all this work, not feeding it appropriately, your, your relationship with food's going to be a little tricky, but uh, I'm a fan of keeping the lifting almost all the way to about the last week. Now, some people might need to modify down. I think that's overdone. I think, I, I think honestly, most people, as long as you're getting in good sleep, you'll be fine. But is it uncomfortable when you're eating less outside of what you're normally used to? Yes, it is, of course, right? But if you can stick to your normal routine, even though it sucks a little bit less, you'll hold on to more muscle. Great example of this, you know, we should feature her a lot um, on the main page is Amanda. Um, Amanda recently went through, through fat loss and not a lot of weight loss. Um, and she, you know, she's one of the, the four to five clients that I still have where, you know, her leaning out just looks different than just losing weight. I mean, if we wanted to just lose weight, we could lose weight, but, but, you know, she's six packed up or, or whatever. And, you know, there was not a lot of weight loss in that regard, but there was a lot of um, recomposition that happened. And so it sort of depends on how lean you are. That will be a large factor on what you see in the mirror. So I'm a fan of lifting the majority of the time. And then, you know, if you want to have like a last week, some people up to two weeks where you focus a bit more on lists, that's something I am recommending more and, and, and Becky's recommending more as we go, right? So um, I do think that that's helpful. Um, Annalise, who's one of the people that posts, uh, she's least life lover in the group. You know, she, she that last week to two weeks um, ended up being like five pounds for her. Now don't listen to that and go, oh my goodness, Paul said, do this and I'll lose an additional five pounds. Her experience is her experience. Your experience might be different. 
Becky, we do have question. a question that is kind of, you know, wrapped up in what it is that you're talking about. So I'll skip it and then we'll go back to the other ones. But um, she said, I'm at the tail end of my first AP and severely strained my back three weeks ago. So have not been able to weight train at all, only walking. I'm still slowly losing, but wondering if that would be muscle loss already. When does muscle atrophy usually start? So yes, you're going to lose muscle when you're not activating it, right? Um, whether that's tissue loss or, or being a little bit less hydrated or something like that, you know, I think that that's of debate, right? But um, the biggest mistake that people make is that, and this is, this is the long-term effect. And, and like I said, you know, I, I said this on a recent podcast, we are willing to lose clients over this. Um, because the science is very clear. If you're trying to heal an injury, more food is going to be better for that. Right. And so even though you're not lifting, having that additional food in AP, as you move to PR, I don't know which phase you're in. So if you're in the second phase of AP moving to PR, or if you're in the middle phase, um, between fat loss having that more food is going to be more favorable for your recovery. And it's also going to, going to preserve your muscle better. Right. Um, biggest problem with losing muscle and you'll, you'll see a lot of other, other diet programs talk about this, that, Oh, you know, you're not going to lose a lot of muscle in a, in a diet phase, which is, is, is true that if you're talking about a six week cycle and then AP and then another six week cycle, you're not going to lose a lot of muscle, but the way that people lose muscle is when they're under eating all the time. Right. And so naturally you think to yourself, I'm not doing as much as I used to, or my workouts aren't as hard. You know, I uh, talked about this on a recent podcast of how the rhythm that we have for macros, why that came about. And the reason why it came about is because when we left it in charge of all of you, you would just go, hmm, didn't run a marathon today, low day. And then it would just end up being low day, low day, low day, low day, low day, kind of medium day, right? And so, so we had to stick to what we knew worked better, right? And, and even though that I'm, I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek, it does go back to the data that we talked about earlier is that we had a lot of people doing it the right way, a lot of people doing it the wrong way. And we just said, this is going to have to be the way that we do it because, you know, if we do it the wrong way, people aren't going to get the results that they want. And so I would rather have a customer leave frustrated because they didn't want to, you know, do the right thing rather than having them do the right thing and then ultimately get the right result, right? There's only, you know, the reason why you hire a coach is for that coach's knowledge and the program's knowledge. And so even when we talked about earlier with the 400 grams of carbs, you know, those people in that process were all weight stable. They were fine. They were setting up things from the standpoint of, of, you know, muscle building and performance and, and all these great things, right? But P 
people were feeling this pressure to be something more than they were, right? And then if they would go to Vegas or they would go to Nana's house or all these different things that would cause weight to spike up, they would um, they would want to pull calories down, right? And so when you have things at a more reasonable pace, um, they don't necessarily have to do that. Um, remind me of the question again, the because um, I want to make sure that I've addressed every piece of it. Um, I'm still losing slowly, but wondering if that would be muscle loss already. When does muscle yeah. atrophy usually start? No, I, yeah, so I covered it, but um, yeah. The other, the other thing too, I know, I know that you know back strains can be difficult, but the, the other thing I would say is look at it as a real big opportunity for, uh, for doing upper body, you know, I mean, strict presses as an example, great, great thing. You know, you can even do like a military press that keeps the, the, you know, the strain off of your back. So try and view, you know, my big change personally was when I started to look at injuries or, or when I tweak something as opportunities to get better at, at something else, right? So there you go. Okay, and um, let's see. If vacations and holidays are not on the table, i.e. do not exist, which factors best figure into scheduling fat loss? Uh, I think in my mind, it really comes down to where you are mentally. Right. And so, you know, if we, if we just go normal stuff, you know, where you've got work stress or something of this nature, but as an example, if you have a big project coming up with work, you know, scheduling a fat loss and making every, everything in your life a little bit more difficult, I think is probably not the best way to go. Um, and so I think what you want to do, the way that you want to think of it is you want to set up kind of this scenario, right? I mean, remember, performance isn't performance just for nothing, right? Like we're not trying to eat more to set up the times that you eat less. We're not trying to, to earn the right to diet, right? Um, what we're trying to do is set up this paradigm that allows for a, a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with body composition and all these different things. And so if you can, if you can mentally go into fat loss, I know we all have a little something, but with most of the things off the list and you're proactively going into it rather than reactively looking at it, then I think that's the best way to be. But it's, it's not more complicated than that, right? It's just, you know, if you have something come up, delay your fat loss for, for two weeks, see if you can get past that and then move on. I think the, the problem that we all sort of have right now is not that these macros are, are working or aren't working or anything of that nature. 
because we we just don't find that. What we find is that people don't manage the difficult moments in their time or in their life to where food is still working for them. You know, a great example is um, a client that I was looking at their file this week and their husband's having health issues, their daughter's having health issues, things of this nature. I mean, she's having trouble eating, right? She's having trouble, you know, trying to stay conscious of, of meals and, and things of this nature. And I'm making the case to her that she really needs to so that she doesn't make the situation more difficult, but you're talking to someone dealing with a lot of stress in that moment, right? And so um, everybody deals with stress a little bit differently, but you know, a lot of times stress eating is my boss is mean to me today and I stress ate that day. But when you're dealing with real stress, like like the kind of she's dealing with or a death in the family or death of a pet or something of this nature, oftentimes it's difficult to eat, right? And so, so I think a lot of people look at stress eating almost as a crutch sometimes, whereas stress eating to me tends to look a bit more like a day went off the rails and then... I ended up over consuming on that one day, but in an actual stress situation, often it's it, it's difficult to eat. And so I think if you can analyze it and go, yes, well, I think that example is a great example, right? If, if your husband and daughter are having health issues, probably a bad time for fat loss. So if you're in two to three weeks into fat loss and you want to cut it short because that happened, I, I fully support that. Now, if you can, you know, go the last three weeks, um, that probably makes sense also. But I, I would say the good majority of people would probably be best off just stopping in that moment. So I, I think as long as, as long as you don't have anything, you know, too pressing, you're fine. I think that was pretty much it for the question. Okay. So, yeah, the, um, you know, like I said, this is going to be, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I think for a lot of you who've been through various performance cycles and, and things of this nature, and even some people that bought Lifetime, but, you know, they hadn't hit performance at that point. So they really didn't know what, what that was going to be like. You know, once you sort of hit, get out of that three-month cycle of fat loss, that's when the eat to perform part really happens. Like, if you think about it, that's when everything kind of gets a little challenging. I know that, you know, we all think we like food. Um, but what we, what we like is pizza on date night with wine. We don't necessarily like having more rice on Tuesday to fit your macros. Right. That's, you know, when people talk about carbs, you know, they often, especially non-eating performers, you know, you start talking about carbs. I mean, it's so, so shocking, you know, how much carbs have been canceled, you know, 
uh, I mean, the things that people say, you know, they don't realize that like there is there is a very unhealthy relationship with the way that many of us view food and it's contributing to the problem, not 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 helping the situation. And so, you know, when um, you're trying to keep that metabolism going on on Wednesday, that's where the real hard work gets done. <clears throat> and I say this all the time. It's not a blaming thing. You know, it really is just the facts, you know, is when you're eating more, there's more pressure to go to the gym. There's more pressure to do the things that allow your body to function at its best. And so I think there's a lot of people out there that are under eating and eating 1,000 and 1,200 calories, you know, that when they go to fat loss, do and eat to perform, they're like, oh, this is great. This is where my comfort zone is. The real comfort zone, as all of you know, or the discomfort zone, as all of you know, is when the food comes back. And it's sort of interesting to me, we had, a, we had a lady talk about another program and that she just started that other program as if that program was, as if there was an element where, you know, all we do is feed people. Um, I don't think that you can go into, and in the, in the, the program that she was speaking of was a one calorie number, right? So, so it's basically like a diet program for, from 1960. Um, and you know, when you go into a fat loss phase through us, you know, there's a definite way that gets done. And then as food comes back, there's a definite way that that works. But if you went to a, to a, another program with one set of calories, and then you eventually came over to eat to perform when you plateau in that situation, it would have been helpful for you to see what happened the right way, right? And when I say the right way, I'm not saying it from the standpoint of an opinion, right? The, there's just enough data at this point that shows that the more gradually you build in a deficit, the, the more results that you can get. And so when we did it that way, um, we didn't do it out of nothing. You know, we used the paradigms that bodybuilders had used all along and introduced the, those to new people because there was a lot of data that supported that. But when you look at like the mainstream diets, you know, they tend to support, you know, one calorie number, which ends up being like a tune up. And then they don't set you back for when the food comes back, you know? And so, you know, all of these things matter. And so when people get exposed to these ideas that are very blah ideas that carbohydrates actually can be useful in your life, you know, people are very confused by it right? Because they're, they're hearing all of this other kinds of stuff. I mean, we had an article, you know, that are republished related to sugar addiction and nothing gets people going like a discussion of sugar addiction. And it's so weird because who's pro sugar, you know, like no one's pro sugar. Like we're pro more food, but we're not pro sugar, you know, and the article could not be more down the middle of the road, right? That if you eat an adequate amount of food, 
you're not going to crave fast calories, which is what sugar is, right? And empty calories, you know, and that if you can fill those empty calories with actual calories, you know, sugar become sugar addiction becomes less of an issue for you. And um, it's just so funny that, you know, these issues, are, they're not real issues. Like they're not really dealing with the actual problems that people have. I mean, one of the things that, you know, we put out um, a graph of someone that was 400 pounds and he's down 60 pounds in, I can't remember the exact time frame, but, but I know that I know it was two and a half pounds a week. And so you can do the math on that. Um, and right now his food is normalizing. So he'll, he'll probably stay, you know, right around there and, and, and lose a little bit of weight. You know, we, we put that out pretty amazing story. Um, 15 likes, two comments. Um, then we put out a picture of, of Stephanie to talk to a coach because Stephanie's one of the coaches that you talk to. And then you start to get comments like, you know, um, why are there no pictures of, of normal people? You know, this might surprise people, but a person that's trying to lose, let's say 50 pounds, isn't exactly dying to show you how they lost the 20 to 30. They're still focused on the 20 more that they have to lose, right? And so we do show a good amount of body diversity in that regard um, on IG, but Facebook works different. And so as a business, you have to kind of focus on what that business is. We do still try to focus on, on body diversity. It's something that, that is very important to me personally, but you have to use the channels the way that they want to be used. And it's so disappointing to me that the majority of the people that we work with are lean people. I mean, it's a, it's a great testament that we can take people that are already in shape and then, you know, take them the rest of the way. Or if somebody has lost a lot of weight, but then they plateau, we can get the, the needle moving the rest of the way. That to me is the thing that, that should be interesting. But the problem is, is that the good majority of people with a lot of weight to lose, much like myself, for the long time, chase these quicker, faster, easier solutions. And when you look at somebody who's lost 60 pounds from 400 pounds, you can see an easy path where this person's gonna end up being under 300 pounds, eating flexibly, eating normally, the good majority of the time, and then only occasionally pulling calories down. And for some reason, and I, I do, I was there, so I get it, and I understand the want, but it's almost like people want to be punished, right? Um, because they were naughty, you know? And I remember that. I remember feeling that, you know, I was bad and I needed to go in a timeout related to food so that I could fix the problem, but it never fixed the problem, 
right? It was just these constant rebounds and things of this nature. So this is something I've been thinking about a lot on the car ride. It's like, how can, how can I talk to these people and be an advocate for them? Because what I see is like a lot of other programs similar to us, they make fun of like keto and fasting and a lot, a lot of these things. And all that really does, in my view, is speak to the people that believe what you believe, right? And so, so if you're an advocate for flexible eating, you know, a lot of people are going to like that. But the people that you're offending in that process, of course, you know, are also in comments. And so that works really well with social media. And, but I don't think that, you know, those people are convincing the people that were going to try keto or fasting as an example. And so that's why I like to have those kinds of messages that you can do these things reasonable. You know, I think most of you know this by now that the low days are low carb days, right? But if you talk to a low carber, they would go any day over 30 grams is going to kick me out of ketosis. And ketosis doesn't matter at all as it relates to fat loss, right? Now, in terms of a calorie deficit, certainly it can be helpful, right? But there's just all this kind of woohoo madness out there. And it's just hard to stand out. And it's something that matters a lot to me because, because I was that person. And every time we get to deal with those people, we give them great results. And the results that they, they can sustain. But, you know, when their friends look at them, they go, well, that seems difficult. And that's because it is, right? When you're making these major life changes, I mean, if you're, you know, in the case of the 400-pound guy who's just come in. By the way, the people that do this, do you literally think that, ketogenic dieting is not difficult. It becomes difficult, like real fast, right? Fasting becomes difficult real fast. And so if you can kind of slow things down and do things a little bit better, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, you know, especially as, as we do this, because I want to be, I want to help. I want, I want all of you, you know, who are all, you know, mostly fit, to reach your goals, but that I don't want that to be the only thing that Eat Forms about. And and to me, you know, I think kind of getting out the message that any form of dieting that you do is going to be difficult. But at the end of the day, what you're really trying to do is lose the weight and keep it off. And you know, hopefully we can start to to get that message out there. But but putting I can tell you for fact, you know, this is something we've tested often, is that showing someone that went from 400 pounds to 250 pounds is not as motivating as someone who made it all the way, right? And, and I don't get to make the rules of the internet. That's just the way it is. But the question is, is how do you get to that place where you're affecting more people because the tendency for a lot of people and it's a tendency for me, you know, I started walking, you know, I, I mean, I lift weights now, but I didn't start lifting weights. And the same thing with, with, 
you know, any kind of um, food intervention, right? The natural tendency is going to go to the easiest thing rather than the thing that's going to allow for the the long term. And I'm I'm supportive of that. I, I think that wherever you're going to start, let's start there. But hopefully what we can do is figure out a way to be a little bit more inclusive in terms of that messaging. And hopefully all of you can can help us in that regard. Because you know it's it's something that I think that we as a company it matters to us, right? I mean, I was looking at a competitor and that competitor, I mean, you would think everyone started with them with a four pack and then eventually got an eight pack. And that's not how most dieting goes, right? Like most dieting is, it takes a while for people to figure that out. So if you go to our Instagram, you'll see examples of that, that people are starting in a certain place and then they move to a certain place uh, 30 days. And then two years later, they look like they ultimately wanted to look or the pictures that most other places are showing. And so, you know, a lot of times if somebody sees us and it's the first time they've ever seen us, they might think, well, these people are just like those people and we're not, right? And so, so it does, it does, you know, I, I mean, I think the other thing too, that's part of that discussion is that, you know, people will say, bring up the words diet culture. And I don't understand how you can bring up the word diet culture when in the post, we're talking about the person's eating 3000 calories, right? And so, so like if you're a person and you're struggling with weight loss and you've tried everything out there, but what you haven't tried is normalizing food, but you're seeing this picture and you're not reading the caption on the picture, that's very difficult for me to deal with. I mean, I wanna have those discussions with people. I want to, I want to, I don't wanna be the people making fun of these other scenarios. What I want to do is have real conversations with people about how a balanced approach is actually better where the specifics matter. And, and I really hope for all of you who've been with us for many years at, at a time, we can really start to get those messages out. But I know that when they see you, a lot of times they see someone that works out a lot. They see someone that is you know, very committed to their health and they're just not in that place in that moment, right? So weirdly, if, I mean, I'm looking at four to five pictures right now of, of really fit people. But the problem is, is that the people that we want to talk to, they're intimidated by you, right? They're, they don't want to really hear your message. They would actually be more interested in hearing a message from a Reddit board, you know, than someone that's actually doing it in an applicable way because what the excuse that I use many times, right, um, was, so Kim, I'm, I'm just trying to, to, to look at someone that I'm kind of, kind of the avatar for this. If I saw Kim when I was 100 pounds of weight, 
overweight. I would have never approached her. I would have never said, hey, Kim, what's your secrets? What do you do? And, and then Kim would tell me all the great habits that she has in her life, that she tracks food. And I would leave walking away from that going, I'm going to go back to the fasting Reddit board, <laughs> right? With a lot of people that don't have the good habits that Kim has, right? Because Kim would have been intimidating to me. I don't feel like we're intimidating in that way, but I think that you can't, you can't put yourself in the place of people and the way that they feel in that moment because they want something extreme, right? They want to graduate or, or to, 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 you know, well, graduate to a place of their life where they look different. So they don't look at Kim's daily journey as being the path to get there, right? Because they go, well, she's always been fit. I, I, I hate that, you know, that people say, well, people that have always been fit or some level of fit, you know, most of us have had some challenges with weight, right? And then how you got that together is very important. But when I look at very fit people, I see them as avatars for people that I want to be, right? And so, yes, people have lost a lot of weight. Yes, you want to know that information. But the people that have been fit for life also are helpful. And so I wish that when I was trying all the extreme things that I tried and then rebounding 75 pounds and 80 pounds, you know, that. I would have been more open to a better message. So when all of you see, this is a long diatribe about how we're going to try and get that message and, and why we need you to help us, um, it's because I don't think that fit people making fun of people that are struggling with their weight or struggling with obesity or things of this nature is the way to speak to someone. I think it, it's, it's condescending and it's something that I really hate about the diet industry. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest things I hate about flexible eating in general is that, you know, we all believe that we've solved it all, right? Um, and the reality is, is that it, it's calories the whole time. It's always been calories. It'll always be calories. But what you don't hear from those flexible eaters is that they have some of the worst habits also, right? Um, and, and, you know, we could get into a lot of, a lot of that type of stuff. But because, because, you know, some of that stuff has elements that have a real unhealthy um, relationship. And similar to the unhealthy thing, relationship that they're trying to make fun of, right? And so, so hopefully we can find a good balance there and allow for more of those discussions so we can have more people coming in where we can take them on that lifetime journey of, of just being better but impatience always matters, you know, and 
you know, um, for the guy that's 400 pounds, who's lost 60 pounds and, um, you know, his food is normalizing. He might have a friend that's lost 100 pounds or in on the Internet. We all have some kind of friend. Right. Um, or some circle. And, uh, you know, the want to do that is strong. And, you know, it's that daily internal fight that we always have of doing the right thing compared to doing the shortcut. And so um, it's a it's a difficult battle. It really is. But but I think all of you are great examples. And I think that the one thing that I wish people were a little bit more understanding of is that fit people are not your enemy, right? Like, I wish I knew that when, when I was starting out, that fit people were not my enemy, that, that that was just a level that I hadn't attained at that point. And so um, that those people could then be an ally, though I'm not sure that as fit people, we're always the best in getting that message across. I think, I think we do, and I think many of you um, should feel really good about, you know, what you retained as a fit person as having good habits in your life and all these other types of things. And I just, I just see like this, this friction between people who aren't fit yet and, and fit people because fit people in general are kind of causing that so that their social media presence is better. And I want to kind of bridge that gap because I think that most of you, especially in, you know, all of course see this in the community that, you know, you're great examples for those folks that want to go farther. And then they'll ask questions of, has anyone lost hundred pounds? And it's like, yeah, I have, I started this program, you know, but I started this program and I needed help along the way. I hired every PhD that would talk to me. I, you know, this was a process that took a while, you know, and not everyone is down for that in the beginning. We don't get a lot of people going, you know, who's my first diet? Eat to perform. Eat to perform is usually like the 15th diet, right? And I want to get to a place where eat to perform is the first diet. So then, then, we don't have to deal with all of these, you know, negatives as a relate as it relates to the extremes that people are put themselves through, right? And so hopefully that's what we see because there's just so many things behind the scenes that we'd love to tell everybody about, but you know, the um, a lot of them come down to just taking time. And, and I can tell you there's gonna be a real strong movement towards speaking to those people in, in a casual way. All right, so sorry for the long diatribe at the end there, but, but I really feel like many of you are great advocates for that message. And, and if, if someone's listening to this and they're, you know, sorry, I lost my headphone there. Um, if you're, if you're struggling, you know, we're a really good home for you, even though we have a lot of fit people. So I appreciate everybody listening and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.